Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Downright Upright Show, the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking. And I'm your host, Philip Anthony. I'm so happy that you've chosen to join us today. And I hope you're all doing fantabulous. And Austin, fantabulous is a combination of fantastic and fabulous put together twice as nice. I love That's it. That's the greatest word ever. I love it. Somebody introduced me to that word, and I've been using it ever since. My special guest today is DFL Minnesota's second congressional district chair. That's a mouthful, but we'll call it CD2 from now on. Uh, uh, her name is Austin Ballhagen. Did I pronounce that correctly? You got it. Perfect. Ballhagen, yeah. And um, Austin is going to talk to us today about things that are happening around uh, CD2 and about current events. So welcome, Austin, to the Downright Upright Show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, I'm, it's a pleasure. Um, before we talk about your duties and accomplishments as Minnesota's Second Congressional District Chair, blah, 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 CD2 uh, Chair. Can you tell the listeners about where you were born, raised, went to school, and whatever else you would want to share, you know, to add to that? Yeah, um, I'd be happy to. Um, I am originally from Iowa. Um, I'm not a Minnesota native, but uh, my partner and I have called Minnesota home for the last 12 years. Um, we moved up here uh, after college. Um, we, we went to Iowa State University together, and that's where we met. Um, uh, he moved up here for grad school. Um, he's a marriage and family therapist. Uh, I moved up here um, as I was interning with Planned Parenthood at the time um, and, and doing some work with them in the 2012 election um, later on. And um, we, we've stayed ever since, um, and we absolutely we love our home. We live in Egan, um, and it's a great place to be. So, yeah. how's how's Minnesota different than Iowa? Can you expand <laughs> on that? She's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> many ways, many, many, many ways. Well, think of just give us one or two, like yeah. that you feel that are you know. Um, you know, Minnesota is a great place to raise a family, and and that's not a knock on Iowa in, a, in, in any attempt to be a cheap shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot more opportunities here. I was really blown away when we first moved in terms of, um, just the differences in education, the differences in economic opportunities. Um, I'm from a very small rural community. Um, and even just the, the cities, um, are so not every city in Minnesota. There are certainly rural areas that, um, don't have the same advantages, but where we're at in the twin cities, um, it just, it's really, really an amazing community with fantastic resources for people. Um, the folks that we live with, uh, that we live around are wonderful. Um, and I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. Yes. Iowa is a beautiful state. I've been there. I mean, the people are very kind and, um, I would love to go. Have you ever been to like the, uh, Iowa caucuses or like, you know, when they have the corn dog things and they (laughs) hold the candidates there and, you get to talk to them and ask questions. Have you ever done that? Yes, and it's um, it's really incredible the stark difference in Iowa. Candidates line up to talk to you. They want yeah. you know you you can go on a Saturday to a pizza ranch or a diner or coffee shop, and you might be one of five people, and candidates are begging for your time because they want to talk to you in leading up to the caucuses. And here in Minnesota, it's like, oh, I got to pay to go see somebody at an event. Um, it's it's really very different. And it's very um, intimate. Yeah. 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 That's what I heard. I would love to do it one day. Maybe you can come with me. 
I, I would be happy to take I you. I would love to go because <laughs> I, I have my little podcast machine here and I can interview people and we, you can show me the places that we should be going and where we can find the, the candidates and all this stuff. So, yeah, we'll, I'll keep that in mind. Um, can you explain to the listeners uh, what part of the Twin City CD2 encompasses and has it changed over the years or it's been the same or... What do you think? Um, So CD2, we are Minnesota's second congressional district, and we actually um, encompass a broad area. Parts of it are suburban. We go down into rural areas as well. Um, We include all of Dakota County, um, all of Scott County, parts of Washington County, parts of Rice County, um, and all of Lesore County, Minnesota. So it's it's a pretty big area. Yeah. Um, there are 14, uh, at the state level, there are 14 state Senate districts that are whole or in part in CD2, and there are 22 House districts that are whole or in part in CD2. And we've always had wow. um, some areas that are split between congressional districts with CD1 and CD4, um, but post-redistricting, so that happened um, 2020, there was redistricting. We had new maps for 2022. Um, when that came out, there's a record number of uh, House and Senate districts that are split between the congressional districts. So it's it's definitely changed. Our map shift a little shifted a little bit to the west um, from where we used to be, and we lost areas that we had in Goodhue County. Um, and certainly sad to see those folks go, but we love the folks that we've gained um, from Lesur County. They're a fantastic bunch. Wow. And uh, I remember Lisa telling Lisa Nimanoa, who was a guest on our show as well, um, talking about the demographic changes over the years and how it's it's blueing the areas blueing. Don't you love that word blueing? Yes. <laughs> <It's becoming> blue. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, great. I mean, so what do you think of? Uh, have you noticed that as well? That's my question. There has been a shift, um, and certainly uh, in the northern portion of the district, we've got, um, and and it's it's moving south, right? There's communities um, in Apple Valley, communities in Lakeville that are growing and changing and becoming bluer. Um, Lakeville has exploded um, in yeah, terms of population. Yeah. It's it's huge um, compared to what it used to be. Um, on the whole, um, in terms of the shift from the what what we um, noticed with uh, demographic changes um, and and voter preference changes, um, CD two uh, the Cook Partisan um, Index has now changed a little bit, um, and it's now predicted. Uh, recently, they announced it's a likely Dem uh, for twenty twenty four, but a lot can happen between now and then. Sure, um, yeah. and and many things can change. Uh, we're really truly the last battleground district in, left in Minnesota, um, sure. and and in recent elections, um, CD. Has been one of the closest races in the country in some cycles. It's been one of the most expensive races in the country in some cycles. Um, it's certainly not something that is uh, safe or that should be taken for granted. So. Yeah, I, I, I love how um, more diverse it's getting. Um, you know how the the other side always talks about wokeness and like we're too woke, we're too woke. But, but I don't know about you, but I think wokeness actually just means you know. Uh, Loving your neighbor, being more you know kind to people that are not like you, um, and accepting them for who they are, isn't that what it is? I mean, so Absolutely. why would you be against that? <laughs> it it can be really uncomfortable, I think, for some people to be in a place where they recognize even things that weren't intended to be hurtful or harmful 
are hurtful and harmful to many communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard for people sometimes to sit with that and, and make change. And, and change can come from discomfort, though. And it's incredibly important that people um, take that into account. Yeah, because I've read somewhere that people that live in urban areas, cities, I guess you would call it, are um, encounter different religions, colors, races, um, sexual orientations, whatever. And because of that, they bring humanity to those people, to each other. And they say, oh, she's kind of nice. And I never knew that, you know, I never met anybody that was blah, 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 you know, fill in the blank. And I think that's why I think our cities are so... um, What's the word? Like they're moving ahead and in, in, in modernizing. Whereas the, or the the rural areas, where I love the rural areas, believe me, don't get me wrong, but they're just not used to difference. I guess that's the only difference. And they're and the DFL, which has farm labor in it, uh, we lost the farms. We lost that because up there they're just not voting D, uh, the D anymore. Um, I don't know what that. Do you have an opinion about that? <laughs> Many, um, and it's <laughs> it's certainly not a. Um, it's a very complex issue. It is a really complex issue. Um, yeah. And I, you know, one of the biggest things that I think um, we can do as a party, and, and we have supported, and um, Angie Craig has has supported and introduced legislation to try and expand. Um, Amy Klobuchar is also introduced legislation to try and expand access to rural broadband um, throughout Minnesota. Um, And that's such a huge part, uh, both for education, for business in rural communities, um, for access in rural communities um, that we would love to see happen. Um, And that shouldn't be a political issue. Um, It should not be a political issue at all. But that's yeah. uh, that's sadly the reality of the world that we operate Somebody in. Somebody told me, and uh, tell me if you heard this, the reason um, for that shift was ha- having to do with mining. Did you hear that? That the DFL tends to be more anti-mining, and the uh, and that's why the people the shift. Is, have you heard that? Um, there's certainly a characterization of that um, that I think. Advantage, uh, Republicans will try to use to their advantage. Um, you know, there there have been a number of um, proposals and uh, organizations that are DFL-oriented or DFL-allied that have really, really tried to um, push through things like prove-it-first legislation um, in terms of, you know, you need to prove that this isn't going to be harmful to the environment well, yeah, first. That's what I was going to say to um, you. I mean, I don't think the DFL is against mining. I think they're against dangerous mining mining that can uh the the water can get polluted or the air or you know fill in the blank Mm -hmm. i I, i'm worried about that but i don't think the dfl's against my they would they would want you know i guess uh uh jobs for people there are a lot of good paying jobs up there yeah Yeah, yeah, exactly so we have to we have to get that out there as well maybe we can help the rural people understand what's really happening um so when were you elected to the CD2 chair? Was it a long time ago, recently? Um... Um, so I originally took over the role of CD2 chair in 2018. Um, it's it's a long story, um, and, and we're a volunteer organization. I want to be really clear about that. Um, yeah, I'm a Lisa volunteer. Yeah, Lisa told us that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but, it, but you do run. 
It's an we, elected we office. We are elected, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. And when I took over as chair, um, I was actually originally the vice chair, and my predecessor resigned, um, and his predecessor also resigned um, in kind of relatively short, short order for personal reasons, and that, that happens with volunteer organizations. Um, and, and I actually had uh, four positions in six months. So in May, I was the secretary, and in November, I was the chair. <laughs> oh, boy. You just was, move up the chain of... Uh, were you, I, I, I guess I'm, you know, I'm going to have to ask this question. What, was it, was it, a, were you nervous? Were you like, am I going to be able to do this? Because you went from um, something like a secretary or I'm not demeaning that position either, but to go and become the actual chair of the whole district. Was that a... a- um, it was a little bit of a surprise. I, I had intended to eventually, you know, run for chair at some point oh, in okay. time. Good. Um, mm-hmm. Just wasn't expecting it to come or happen in that way. Um, I, I thought I'd be doing this at a lot different stage in my life. Um, I'm, I'm 34 right now, uh, and I, I didn't anticipate that oh I would... Oh my God, you're so old. <laughs> I didn't anticipate I'd be doing this <laughs> at this kidding. stage. I, I thought I'd be doing it much, you know, much, much, much later when I was retired or older. Um, so it's, it's been interesting. Yeah. Um, what are some of the duties and challenges you have as, uh, as chair of CD2? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we operate a central committee, um, and that's our highest governing authority in CD2. Um, and we meet monthly. Um, we have subcommittees that meet, um, for different topics, um, different events throughout the year. Uh, we hold fundraisers, um, to raise money for ourselves. Um, in addition to my role as congressional district chair, um, through that, I serve on a number of committees at the state level, um, including the state central committee, the state executive committee. Um, and there are many subcommittees there as well that do work for different, um, DFL topics or, or issues or events that arise. Um, it's, it's, I was on a call last weekend, and one of my colleagues joked, it's always a good night when there's only one DFL committee meeting. <laughs> um, so it's kind of the way it goes. Um, and uh, it, you know, in terms of challenges, we have a fantastic group of volunteers that step up, um, but not every part or pocket of our district is the same. And there are a lot of different, um, I call them pockets, but a lot of different pockets throughout the district where the needs of that district might be different in terms of um, their ability to to have uh, fundraisers um, or, or a pool to pull from, um, or their election needs might be different. Um, the voters are different in different portions of our district. Um, so it's, it's, trying to bring people together in a way that, you know, our primary goal is to elect a DFLer to Congress or reelect a DFLer to Congress in, in our case, now that we have that seat. Um, and then a secondary goal is to support our other DFL candidates up and down the ballot. And then kind of a, a third aspect of the job that isn't necessarily, um, directly in support of financial contributions or volunteering. Um, but there, there are things called letters of support that candidates can get um, in terms of helping them uh, buy access to resources they can use for door knocking and um, sending out literature. And in order to do that, to get access to those resources, um, somebody kind of has to be the governing authority to call a meeting and vote and say, yes, this person um, you know, aligns with our values and they're, they're going to be somebody that um, – we think should be able to get that, um, or no, hey, this person isn't. Um, and the congressional district, in some cases, uh, falls into that role of being the person to facilitate it. Mm-hmm. 
I, I suppose, you know, moving up the ladder helped you, too, because you were watching the former chairs and what they did. So it's kind of, you were shadowing them in a, in a way, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, it's, I've had the pleasure of being a secretary, a communications officer, a vice chair, and now a chair for this organization. Yeah. Um, so and, 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 and yeah. And, and, and so, so, for example, a person like me, if I ran for chair, that would be the most ridiculous thing because I have no idea what I was doing. Not necessarily. So you have to do something <laughs> lower than that, you know, and then watch the chair and then learn. See what I'm saying? Maybe that's a better, you know, progression. There's certainly a lot of advantages to that. Um, we also have folks that have stepped up into roles that are just so wonderful. Um, and and I, I want to be really clear to anybody listening. If you're thinking about running for something, just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely do it because, uh, you know, it, it seems a lot scarier than it really is. Um, and, and it's certainly, you know, nobody is perfect. I'm not a perfect chair. There are mistakes I've made and a lot I've learned in that role. Um, but folks should really just step up and do it because everyone is somebody that just said, Hey, yes, I will take this task on, or I will help. Um, very rarely are people in these roles there because they had some big grand ambition. It's almost always people that, you know, man, I got a lot of other things. I got kids, I got school or, you know, obligations, but they're willing to give their time because they feel it's so important to do this. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll be talking about events that are coming up in the future. And, and if anybody's listening and they want to run for something, you will be there and you can, you can guide them and show them the ropes because you're the best. I mean, you really are from what it's I'm hearing. I mean, I've met you, you know, full disclosure, I met you at a, an event and you were very engaging and very, very knowledgeable of what you're doing. So, Thank you. Um, and, and that's why it's a pleasure having you here. And I was seeking you out. <laughs> well, thank um, you. You bet. Um, so since you've been DF, uh, a CD2 chair, um, what are some of the accomplishments that the uh, DFL could promote? Um, Anything you want to bring out there and in, in, out of the shadows that we've accomplished as DFLers? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's amazing that we, at the state level, it's amazing that we have the trifecta. Um, oh, we've, yes. We've passed things like the Crown Act has been signed into law. Can you explain um, that to the viewers? Oh, uh, viewers, yeah. Yeah. The listeners. <laughs> um, so the Crown Act is all part of ending discrimination based on hairstyle and yeah, hair yeah, care I heard practices. That. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. I will share as a, a parallel between my home state of Iowa and my, my chosen home state of Minnesota. Um, for many years in Iowa, you couldn't even legally operate uh, a shop doing braids or, or natural hairstyles. It was it was illegal really? under Iowa law. Yeah. Um, so no way. It's, really? Yeah. Uh, so it's wow, it's incredibly shocking. important that we um, end discrimination based on based on hair. That's oh wild. Goodness. Um, yeah. So the, the Crown Act is in a free country, so called quote unquote free country. We right? can't even. Wear our hair the way we, we'd like. Right. Oh, my goodness. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's incredible that the DFL passed that because that should never be a political I issue. I didn't even – yeah. Um, you know, the infrastructure bill, uh, making sure that our roads and our bridges in Minnesota are, are safe, safe is yeah. incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got uh, banning conversion therapy. Um, Governor Walls has done uh, – You're going to talk about that, yes. Yeah, and, and the DFL has done incredible work in terms of, um, you know, providing relief for renters and providing um, relief for businesses throughout the pandemic that I, I 
I don't know if those things would have necessarily happened in the same way uh-huh. if we hadn't had people like Governor Walls in office. I've noticed, call me crazy, but I've, I've noticed that everything that this trifecta is doing is aimed at regular Americans, regular people, working class people who um, need a leg up, you know. I, I never got that from the other side. Am, am I right or wrong? Yeah. And look at all these things. I mean, they're just, you know, they're wonderful. Um, and, and speaking of conversion therapy, um, as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, I am thrilled that conversion therapy is now banned in Minnesota. If the Democrats recapture the trifecta nationally, do you think it could be passed nationally? And as a follow-up to that, what um, is some other LGBTQ plus legislation that you would like to see passed either in Minnesota or nationally? Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things that I, I would certainly hope, um, and should never be a political issue, right? LGBTQ rights are human rights. Um, it, it should never be something that's politicized and sadly it has been, and it's been weaponized by the Republicans to scare people. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. conversion therapy is abuse. Um, it has lasting detrimental effects on people that are subjected to it. Absolutely. Um, and it, it's thrilling that in Minnesota it's been banned. Um, and it's sad that it took this long to get here. Mm -hmm. Um, at a national level, you know, there, there have been over 400 bills now introduced, um, in various state legislatures where LGBTQ rights are under attack, particularly trans youth. Um, it's, it's horrifying, um, what we're seeing in terms of school sports and bathroom usage and dress codes and things that should not and do not in any way affect anyone else, but are harmful to children that are having to live with this, Mm -hmm. um, and be treated this way. And, and, you know, it's scary and sad that we have states that now have travel advisories where people are being warned, you know, be careful if you're going to go here because it's not safe for you. Mm. Um, and really, it, 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 Florida it, is one that recently, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are there any around us that we should worry about? Like, Maybe South Dakota. <laughs> so I, I would encourage anybody. Human Rights Watch um, has, uh, or excuse me, Human Rights Campaign has a wonderful website where you can see state by state different laws that every state legislature has, um, and and what's on the books and what's proposed, um, and right. where where it falls, um, what rights you have in certain states and what rights you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Iowa, Wisconsin, South Dakota, all of these states are passing. I think, I think in Iowa they have twenty two bills. That this session that are 22. all anti anti trans anti LGBTQ. Um, it's it's really scary, and a lot of them are targeting school age children. Yeah, I actually saw a movie, and this is, I'm going off on a tangerine here, but I saw a movie uh, about conversion therapy, um, and I wish I could remember the name, but it's escaping me. Where there was a scene um, where they had the person who was uh, uh, gay, in this particular case, in a coffin, because you're considered dead, because you're not... No, I'm, I'm serious. This, and this is based on fact, this movie. And each family member would come up to the coffin with a Bible and beat the, the person. And I was in tears at this, in the audience watching this. And they, even this little sister who was... You know, she's a little kid, you know doing this and she's in tears like she she knows it's wrong and she knows what's happening here is sick and um it it was just 
jarring to me. And that's basically what conversion therapy is. It's, it's uh, punishing the person for who, being who, exactly who they are. And like you said about uh, trans people, they're, they're the new um, you know, people to pick on, um, especially African-American um, trans uh, people who are trying to just live their lives. They're not affecting you in any way, shape, and form, but they're being attacked uh, and, and mostly in the South, I would say, right? Uh, those states. Um, it's everywhere. I mean, it, it's sad well, yeah, to say, it, but yeah, it's uh, it's many, many places. I'm and hearing it more in like Mississippi, Florida, Alabama, uh, Texas. You know, those states. For some reason, they, they have. I, I'm hearing. Um, I love to say I'm hearing because I don't want to, uh, uh, you know, uh, promote the, this particular. Uh, uh, periodical but i'm hearing that um the reason they're doing it is because they don't have a platform in the republican party they don't have anything to run on you know they don't they don't want to help you financially they don't want to help you uh, uh with civil rights they don't want to help you in anything except they want to help rich people and cut their taxes and do that's all Trump really accomplished in four years. You know, he cut, had a big, huge tax cut. So this is their way of getting the prejudice vote. You know, they're trying to get butts to the, to the polls. And I've been talking about this constantly. Do you, what do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that it's easy hate to sells, yeah. just, yeah, hate sells. It excites people. Um, it's really sad that so many people that vote and support those policies feel like rights or even prosperity are a pie and that if somebody else gets the same as you, that your little piece is going to be smaller you know, and it just doesn't work that that's way. That's a wonderful way to put it. Thank you. No, <laughs> I didn't come up are, with that, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, but no, yeah, I never thought of it that way. That's a great way to put it. That the pie, You're still going to get your pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the... Everybody gets a piece, you know. I mean, you're not going to get less uh, if somebody's freedoms uh, are there. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, great. The, uh, the audience must be going, yeah, that's, that's something to ponder. Um, okay, so now we're going to go into your future. Okay. The crystal ball. Um, will you seek... You're gonna you're gonna reveal something today, so I'm so happy it's gonna be done on my show. I'm I'm happy and happy. It's a mixed feel, a mixed bag because we we don't want to see you go. But um, I uh, will you seek to run for the CD2 chair again in the future? And do you have aspirations to run for a different public office? So I um, I'm not running again as CD2 chair when I. <laughs> When I initially um, actually slipped into this role, I said I would do it for two terms, um, and now it's been four terms. Oh, um, wow, really? It, three, three re-elections and finishing out one. One, yeah. One mm-hmm. that was not quite finished yet. Um, but I, uh, you, you know, it's it's a big volunteer commitment. There are, you know, some weeks that it feels like a full-time unpaid job, um, and I love it, and it has been my absolute pleasure, and I, I'm certainly not disappearing. I will still be around. Um, I just will not have an official title anymore, and, and happy to pass that along to a next uh, a next chair that will slip in um, and be elected. Um, the CD2 business conference where those elections will happen for our table officer positions is May 9th. 
Um, and there are two great folks that are running for it um, that I think could both do that job really well. Um, and I'll be happy uh, to help whoever is the new chair um, get into that role. Um, I am 34. Uh, I love doing this and I love volunteering. Um, but I also have a lot of student loan debt. Um, and the reality of that is I just I need to scale back my volunteer commitments and unfortunately can't do as much as I See, that's would like another to tangerine <laughs> I want to go on, though, Austin. Another tangerine. Because student loan debt, the president, our president, Biden, um, not, the, not the fake president, our president actually said that he wanted to relieve student loan debt. And what did the Republican Party do? Yeah. They fought it and they stopped it. And that's my problem with them. They don't want to help you. They really, really don't. I mean, there are people that would be thrilled to get a, to get a break on their loan you know, and get back into society and, and work and, and make changes and, and, you know, add and promote the policies that will help regular people. So I don't know, but... Um, it's a complex it, issue. It is. I'm disappointed that you're not running, but you, are you thinking about running about for some other office, maybe like a... a I don't know, city council or something else, mayor? Probably not anytime soon. Um, and part of that is just I, I really need to focus on career um, rather than uh, so much volunteering mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and start making money. <laughs> so, um, you know. Well, thank you. And, and, and again, for the listeners, she's doing this as a community service. And so was Lisa. Um, Lisa Niemannoa, who was my guest a few shows ago. And they're doing this just to help help the community. You know, basically that's what it is. You're not getting a single penny out of it. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank no. you, thank you. I just, thank I, you. I think what you do is just because I don't personally. I don't even think I could do it. If, although I'm doing this, you know, <laughs> for nothing. And this I'm is important. Me. This is very important. This is important. a public service. What I'm doing. Um, if eventually I it, it, I get paid for it, it'll be probably a little different. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, the system that I'm doing. But right now, this is a public service. I, I want to get those ideas out there, get people to, you know, plant a seed in their head and maybe we should be doing something. Maybe I could run for something. Maybe I could volunteer and phone bank or door knock or do something to help the community. So, again, thank you. I can't thank you enough. Um, so, oh, this is something I really this was this made me smile. This was my joy. Um, I think it happened yesterday. Um, how did you feel when you saw Governor Walls sign the Universal School Meals Bill, surrounded by a bunch of children who are grabbing him? I feel like I want to cry. I don't know. It's just it's so moving to me, grabbing him and hugging him to show him their gratitude. And, and we love you. I mean, it's just how they're going to eat. You know, this is this is just this is a no-brainer. Come on, guys, this is a no-brainer. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional, but I was a child once. I lost my father at a very young age. I was a latchkey child, um, and having lunch was an important thing for a child growing up in a house with one parent. Um, anyway, I, I'll, I'm going to let you take it from there because I. <laughs> I, I I said enough. What do you think about it? I you know I I think it is totally reasonable to be emotional about this issue. Oh, um, it was beautiful. What a beautiful sight it was. Beautiful. Yeah. 
I mean, that's the only word I could. I mean, they were kids were grabbing him and hugging him, and I, we love you. I mean, how many times do you see a politician get? Uh, I love you, you know, and gra- get grabbed by children. I- I'm sorry, I'm crying again. That's okay. It's amazing to me because I was a little child, and so were you. And having a politician care about children the way he does—he's an amazing human being. I'm sorry, yeah. I have to say it, and I think this—he should be running for president one day. This is my thing for him. He is just—he's just unique in all ways, shape, and forms. And take it from there. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, in a country with so much wealth, Money. it yeah. blows my mind that we have children that go hungry. And through the pandemic, um, you know, we, we're we're coming out of it. Um, I know that officially uh, the emergency has quote unquote ended, um, but there are a lot of people that the effects of what we've seen, um, both physically and economically are going to last for a long time for families. Um, and in children, especially, um, you learn better when you can eat a meal at school. You, you learn better when you're not having to worry about where your next meal is coming from. There is stigma attached and it, it may sound corny or childish or people think that, you know, just get over it. But when you're the kid in the lunch line with a stamp that says you're out of money, um, that's, that's a terrifying thing as a child. Um, and, and children should never have to live in that, no. that fear of wondering when, no. when or where their next meal is going to be. Um, so when, but uh, yes, and it, it's a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful picture to see mm-hmm. children around our governor. We love you. Thank you. Grabbing him, hugging him. Because he and, and he's smiling and he's just loving it. He's not like okay, I got to go now and pushing them. He was encouraging it, and um, like you said, children need to eat, and they don't. They have that's one less thing they have to worry about now is food. Absolutely, which is something that is you and I just you know take it for granted that we eat a meal every, you know every day. And some of these kids don't eat any meal. That lunch is their meal mm-hmm. when they go to school. That's their meal. You know, I've uh, uh, at my husband's church. They have a um, a program where they cook meals, and people drive up and they give them a bag and uh, their their prepared meals from the church. Um, beautiful, a, a beautiful uh, thing to do. Uh, but this is something that now kids could uh, uh, look forward to and not have have one less worry. Absolutely, absolutely. And I was, um, I will throw out there, um, you know, there were people opposed to this. And yeah, it's you believe it? horrifying. And, and one of them is a Republican legislator in this, of course. In, in CD2, um, who said that he didn't know anybody that was hungry. Um, and, hmm. and that blows my mind. Um, cause Tell them is, to go to the food shelters and, and see. Exactly. Um, we have seen those needs increase everywhere. And this is not, um, you, you know, Republicans love to divide the state of Minnesota and claim that, you know, these are city issues. This is things that happen in the metro. Hunger is an issue that impacts every community in Minnesota. It is not isolated to the cities. And, and in rural areas, especially where you have um, – places where people might have to drive 60 or 90 minutes or more to find the nearest food shelf or the nearest service that could help them. Um, it's incredibly important to rural communities that yes, we provide this. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, 
Finally, um, do you have any upcoming events in CD2 that you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah. As you bow out uh, gracefully. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I'll I'll put a plug out for a couple. Uh, One, first and foremost, and this is probably the most pressing one. I don't know if this will air before then. Oh, yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. Uh, This show will be uh, hopefully posted Within a few days. Okay. So if it's tomorrow or something, obviously it's probably not going to get out there. But something you could see in the future that you would like to talk about. Sure thing. Um, Well, April 22nd, um, which might be pushing it, but April 22nd, um, we have a murder mystery uh, potluck and game night. Um, it's, it's a, I'll call it fundraiser light. Um, we have a suggested donation, but we will certainly not turn anybody away. Um, we want folks to turn out for it. Um, that is going to be at the McCall, uh, learning center in Savage, 6.30 PM. It's a 1920 style murder mystery. Um, so we strongly encourage costumes. There'll be food, um, and beverages and a great time for folks, 6.30 to 9.30. Um, we also have May 9th, which is our, um, upcoming business conference and that's going to be held on zoom it's a digital event um and then we do not have a date set yet um but we've done this event in the past and it sounds like we're looking to do it again this year um which is our summer ice cream social event um it's a fun outdoor day kids in the park bring your family um great casual time so Mm -hmm. well thank you i hope our listeners uh follow through and go to these events Absolutely. Really that. And dflcd2.org will have a complete listing. Perfect. Um, now, now, we've come to the part of the show I like to call The Shift. <laughs> She's laughing because I always... And it's The Shift with an F, please. <laughs> Otherwise, we, get, we have problems. Um, where I shift the questioning away from your job as CD2 chair... And on your personal opinions of current events. Okay, ready for this? Absolutely. Okay, let's start with the first one that's pissing me off. Um, As of the taping of this show, a a federal appeals court court denied the Justice Department's request to allow full access to mifepristone, an FDA-approved abortion pill and set significant restrictions on the pill that could limit access nationwide. And now the Biden administration will ask the Supreme Court to intervene. Now, remember, the Republicans always have states' rights, states' rights, but now they're going to take, take your rights, states' rights away. All right. So what are your thoughts about this sequence of events? <laughs> I mean, I, like, I know what you're going to say, but, you know, let's talk about it. You know, it's horrifying. Um, and, and this is something that's been... On you know available for years, millions of women have taken it. I think um, it's ten years, right? Ten or more. Ten um, or more. It's it's been a long time, and millions FDA of women, approved. FDA approved. Millions of women have used it. Safer um, than Viagra. Yeah, I mean the, the the approval for FDA approval is not easy to get. Let's start there. Exactly. Um, and and it's terrifying that a federal judge has the authority to just say, hey, you know what throw the FDA approval out the window, I'm saying no Well, on full this. disclosure, he was picked by you-know-who, yeah. Voldemort, and he, um, he's using his religious uh, you know, affiliation to stop the uh, freedoms of women in this country. I think that's appalling. 
Yeah, well, in in, in women and non-binary people, um, trans men, um, you know, there there are many people that, oh, that yeah. need this, Absolutely, and yes. it's something that um, that's you know, my old my oldness coming out. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's you know, and it's just it's one of those things that this is a healthcare decision, and and not something that should ever be politicized. And sure. I, I've said that a couple times about many things, but it's it's sadly the reality that it, it feels like we're often dealing with things that should be left in the hands of, you know, the individual that mm-hmm. may or may not have a need for this um, and their physician. That's... Yeah, but th- right. Uh, uh, thank you. There's, a, there's uh, anomalies that happen during pregnancy that mif- mifepristone prevents the woman from bleeding out or hemorrhaging or, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I know the doctor's hands should not ever be tied when it comes to a woman's health. Never. Never. And and I'm hearing, and I hope this is not true because then it would be, you know, ca- catastrophic, that a lot of doctors in that field are leaving the red states because they feel their hands are tied. They don't want to kill the woman. They, you know, they want to be able to treat them the best way they can. And, and this pill can help. And now they want to stop that and prevent a woman from having access. And actually, it's it's paired off with another pill, from what I'm understanding. I'm not a doctor, as I said. That when they work hand in hand together, they give the woman a safe uh, cessation to their pregnancy. It's a safe way to do it without causing any any you know physical harm. So. Yeah, Again. I mean, abortion is healthcare. That's sure. what it is, and it's it's not enough to only ensure that it's legal. It also needs to be accessible. Um, and that has been something that we have seen chipped away at time and again for years with hundreds and hundreds of um, bills from state legislatures across the country. Um, but at the end of the day, it's health care. It, that, that is plain and simple health care. There are many, many, many outcomes that can happen with a pregnancy. Um, abortion is one of them. And uh, people have to need to have the access to it that's safe because um, you know, you, you can, and it's, it's an old adage, but you can outlaw abortion. It doesn't stop abortion. It only stops safe abortion. Yes. And, and I think I, I, I think I had mentioned this on a previous show. I don't remember which show it was. I've had so many now. I'm patting myself on the back. Um, so, um, my great aunt, uh, came from Italy, um, and my grandmother's sister and told a story that, Abortion was um, illegal, obviously, and though in the in I think she came in the twenties or thirties, I'm not sure. But um, and they used to have in New York City these back alleys where they would. Um, now she was raped she had, on a date. She was on a date with a boy, and uh, she got date raped. And uh, she went to the back alley, and they performed a back alley abortion on her. I don't, again, I don't, I don't know the incidentals, you know, I don't know if they used a hanger or whatever they used to do. I don't know. I don't want to know. It's disgusting. It's horrible that, that women had to go through that. But um, the result was she uh, kept uh, miscarrying and actually had a stillborn child, or maybe two, I think. I'm not sure. I don't remember the whole, you know, the, the numbers. And finally gave birth after a few pregnancies to her oldest son, and then she had a daughter. So could you – do we want to go back to this? Is this what America is going – we're moving backwards? 
it's <laughs> it's really horrifying. When I, um, you know, when I years ago and was like, oh, we're going to be back to the 1920s, I thought there would be a lot more jazz and a lot less fascism. Mm. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, you know that's where we're at. And fascism is a good word because fascism is what really theocracy is, and it's another, it's a different form of it. But it, it's basically my religion is going to tell you, who may not be of that religion or who, who may be of that religion but doesn't believe that kind of nonsense, that I, you're doing what I say, basically. And that's what fascism is, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, thank you for your input on that one. Um, and now we're going to move on to Voldemort, who we all love. No, wait, I'm just kidding. What, what they used to call him... Uh, Cheeto in chief or something, Twitler. They had so many names for him, but Putin and the Ritz. Putin. <laughs> that one. The big news is that our former president was indicted by a grand jury in Manhattan and was subsequently arraigned, making him the first president ever to be disgraced in such a manner. Do you think this will guarantee him the nomination for president uh, for the Republican Party, or will it do the opposite, in your opinion? would you think i don't know um and i i say that because there there isn't there is both isn't wow i can't talk there both (laughs) is and isn't a lot of time to the election right it's it's kind of a weird it's kind of a weird way the timeline works but um there is still a lot of time and you know (laughs) i think this was said on npr way 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 back um but for and i i'm gonna make a generalization and it is certainly not all people of a generation but there is certainly a correlation for a generation of people that tend to more heavily favor and support ex-president trump um you know they grew up being raised to identify Soviet propaganda and in propaganda in general, in, in education, in school, you know, understanding how to look at for valuable sources, what's good information, what's false information. For people that grew up with such a heavy focus on that, they are really bad at identifying propaganda. Hmm. Um, and, you know, we talk to voters. We, we run booths at, like, the Dakota County Fair. I help out with a number of, uh, you know, community booths that different groups have um, for various events and town festivals. And we get voters that come up to us, and they have bought hook, line, and sinker stories from places like Breitbart and the Daily Stormer and the, what is it, the Daily Caller and, and really heavy right-wing um pretty extremist news organizations, quote unquote news organizations that, you know, they think this is a witch hunt. They think that, um, this is all lies. This is, you know, political muscle being taken and poor Donald Trump is a victim. And the case is really straightforward. Your properties are valued at this. You claim they're valued at this. That's fraud. Um, it, it shouldn't be this complicated. I love how you put things. It's great. And, but, but, but again, you know, this is not the only case. Yeah. There's a, there's a barrage. There's dominoes are going to start falling. Yeah. I mean, you got the um, case in Georgia. You got the case in, uh, uh, with, with the special counsel. Um, you got the rape cases one after the other coming. This man, if, if he's, how could this be like this grand conspiracy just for him. I mean, right? I mean, how 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 naive do you have to be to believe that this is all a conspiracy? Every single thing. 
right? And that's, you know, my goodness. I, I, I have Republican <laughs> friends, Republican family that I've talked yeah, to. Yeah, I do too. And running, running a political party, running any organization, it's like a craft fair with 10,000 booths. There is mm-hmm. not a way to facilitate a grand conspiracy with multiple jurisdictions and multiple. I mean, that's science fiction at that point. Mm-hmm. It well, just it's, it's isn't become, possible. Yes, it's becoming like they're the party of conspiracy. I mean, even the election was stolen. That's another one. I mean, ha- please explain to me how it was stolen. Do you have any proof that it was stolen? Now, they, they were saying, you know, in Georgia they were pulling boxes. Those were actual ballots that were cast – that were there, they were just pulling them onto the table. I mean, it's just such crap, and and it's it, it it it's insulting to my intelligence, basically, and to probably to yours. Well, and to you know, thousands and thousands of people that volunteer their time, that work as election judges, that come in and mm-hmm. and help with their county elections and their state elections. Yes. These these are not. I mean, these are your neighbors that step up to yes. do it and and give their time to make that happen. And to tell them that they were part of some conspiracy or that they did something wrong or that they were trying to defraud the public, yes. you're, you're saying that to your neighbors. And, and you know, these people, they don't look at you and say, oh, we're just going to only put Democrats to run the elections in this country or in this county. I mean, it's people from all parties and it's all walks happening. of life. Yeah. yeah. And that poor uh, woman in Georgia that she had to move and change, yeah. you know. Uh, they were they were calling her and telling her, we're going to kill you and your daughter and all this. I mean, is this what we're coming to? That you, you, you're doing a job, you're volunteering your time, like you're doing, for a community service. And now people are going to start thinking twice. Maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. and, and this is not a good thing for a democracy. Um, what's her name? Ruby something. I can't remember her name. But I'm she, bad with names. She was literally in tears, the poor woman. I mean... She was getting calls and thre- threats, and um, and all she was doing was doing her job. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's been horrifying to watch testimony from a lot of these people that certified elections. Um, yes, the I think of the gentleman that certified the election in Arizona that was getting pressuring calls from um, you know people in the Trump administration, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I'm just doing my job. This is the role I was, you know, put in, and I'm just trying to do my job and do it in a fair way." Yes, and yeah. Well, you know, did you see? Um, in Ari- speaking of Arizona, the midterm election with the Carrie Lake election. You know, there were people outside of the polling. Did you see this mm-hmm. with with AR-15s mm-hmm. intimidating people? I mean, what? Yeah. I mean, no. That can't happen. Horrifying. It's, it's so horrifying. It's horrifying. Yes. Um, I don't want to talk about Baltimore anymore. I, I think <laughs> I'm going to pass the next question because I was. Well, I'm just going to say it. I'm. Just, you know, and uh, he has said on his Truth Social that um, there's going to be death and destruction if he gets charged with anything. Now, what is that saying? I mean, come on, people. If, you, yeah. if you're out there listening and you still love Trump, I mean, he's telling you, go out and do something. Help me. Go, you know, cause a riot or hurt people or I don't know what he wants. But, you know, take it, take it home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he, he is a public figure. And when yeah. you are a public figure, you have an obligation to be mindful of what you say. Yeah. Um, and be mindful if, if he truly claims and 
believes that he wields as much power as he does, when he posts those things, you are calling upon people to harm others. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's really, we look at January 6th where, yes. you know, people, some people categorize it, oh, this was a protest. No, this was not a protest. Nope. It was an insurrection. Um, it was an insurrection in which you had people that, <laughs> this, is, this is a caveat or a, a, a comment I like to make when um, folks accuse the DFL of being anti-law enforcement or anti-public safety. We're not the ones that went after or targeted Capitol Police. Um, nope. And we're not the ones that painted them as, you know, frauds or liars. Those poor Capitol Police who, oh my goodness. I mean, what Those they went through, awful. it was horrifying. It was absolutely horrifying. Horrifying. Um, and, you know, it's... And they wanted to defund the FBI. Did you hear that the one? FBI and, and the GOP <laughs> voted against the American Recovery Act, which funds law enforcement. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just wild and to me. Protecting the FBI is what people look to, to to you know to get saved from some nut job that's threatening their lives and causing community havoc. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, anyway. yeah. Well, and it's it, in some ways Donald Trump almost reminds me of. You know, you look back in history at these, like, uh, ousted claimants to the throne of a country, and now they're living in exile, and they're trying mm-hmm. to, to retake. That, that's what it feels yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Yeah. But, you know, again, with, uh, I'm preaching to the choir here, and you're preaching to the choir here uh, mm-hmm. from your standpoint. And um, can't we just have a president? Even if it's a real Republican who just wants says, I want to cut your taxes— and I, um, I believe in freedom and wave the flag, rah, rah, rah. But we don't hate the trans people. We don't hate these people. Everybody's an American. What happened to that kind of Republican? You know, I mean, if you have fiscal issues with, with Democrats, that's a valid argument, even though I don't agree with it, but it's a valid argument because you're not demonizing anybody and you're not causing, you know, this big catastrophe, you know. But this man single-handedly literally split the country in two pieces and it's causing um a lot of a lot of heartache and he made it okay for for years there have been um extremist organizations that have operated underground um that have used the internet to connect with one another and even even before the internet the dark um, web they call it right? dark web yeah. yeah and now it's it's been made socially acceptable for them to be open and public and loud and boisterous about mm-hmm. their beliefs yeah yeah um, let's move on to a happier thing. Absolutely. Uh, uh, <laughs> Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, two-thirds of the Tennessee Three, were reinstated, yay, Yes. Uh, to their congressional seats after they were expelled for protesting with their constituents for stricter gun laws. So the kids are getting killed, and they want somebody to do something, and they got, they, they got a little loud, I guess, is what, what the argument was. Um, can you talk to us about how you feel about this? Uh, this is wonderful news. It is thrilling. Um, excuse me. It's such a victory. Um, and, you know, the, the entire situation with how that went down, um, where you have, you know, three legislators and then surprise, surprise, um, they vote to oust two of them. Um, well, and, one, yeah. one of these things is not like the other, right? Exactly. <laughs> remember, the, exactly. Remember Sesame Street. Exactly. <laughs> and and I, I will give credit oh, to all three of them for being so forward with yeah. just calling it what it was. I mean, it 
it is an attempt to shut down free speech. Protesting yes. is a valid form. No, no and doubt. It, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, you have a right to do that. Um, it, it is such an extreme step. Mm-hmm. And it, it was really taking advantage of an abstract rule to try and um, embarrass or, uh, you know, usurp uh, democracy. Um, and I'm glad to see that they've been reinstated. Yeah, hooray. Yes. And... Um, the wonderful thing too was um, I saw a video. I don't know. Maybe you. I, I would. I would. You know. Encourage my listeners to go on YouTube and watch this. It was, it was beautiful. It was spontaneous, actually. Uh, so um, Justin Jones was in an airport. Did you hear about this? He was in an airport, and he guess who he runs into <laughs> the biggest civil rights person you would ever think of that's still alive, actually, from the '60s, Joan Baez. <laughs> Oh, and is, it, is that okay. what you were thinking, or you were thinking I, I would go somewhere else? I was thinking else? something different, but go ahead. Okay, well, you could tell me what you were thinking. But and guess what? They were singing "We Shall Overcome" together on a video. Oh my God, was that beautiful. beautiful? That's God. absolutely beautiful. Because she was, you know, she was marching with Martin Luther King. She was friends with Martin Luther King. She was like his, you know, right hand person. And um, and now to come, you know, full circle here with Justin Jones. And sing the same song, and which has the same spirit. It, it, it's it's a beautiful thing. But what were you you were, you were thinking of oh, something else? I I was thinking of a different video, but um, no, I mean that's beautiful. And we see this. It's sad to say that we are still dealing with these issues. We're still grappling with with so many issues that mm-hmm. people. Um, it's comfortable and it's nice to say that we've come a long way, but in, in many ways we haven't. Um, and to see elders in that community, um, that, you know, we're there on the ground now, uh, metaphorically, symbolically passing the torch to a next generation is, is really incredible. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And we were talking, let's go back to, this is one of my last questions here. Um, I'm enjoying you. I, I would love to have you on every show. Um, we were talking about, you know, uh, Voldemort uh, uh, running, uh, and do you think he's going to be the nominee? Um, uh, if all of this happens and he gets, you know, uh, you know, indicted by multiple courts in multiple jurisdictions, and he's not the nominee, who do you think would be the nominee? That's a great question. I don't think Ron DeSantis personally. I think because he's too Trumpy. And uh, why have Trump light when when you can have Trump? And if you can't have Trump, you might as well get somebody else. So absolutely. And there's you know I, I think there's a reckoning coming within the Republican Party that they're going to have to make a decision for themselves. And we've we have seen you know I know Republicans that have said, "Whoa, Trump was too extreme for me," and they're not ready to give up on their party or their values. But they did vote for DFL candidates in the last couple of cycles because they were concerned about the direction. Um, and I think that we're going to see – and I don't know how that's going to shake out. They're either going to have to make a decision if they want to take their party back and change course and change direction or if they're going to embrace it. And sadly, we've seen a lot of Republicans – you know, either retire or dip out or not run again um, or lose where they've been primaried by really radical candidates and they've lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's sad whenever that happens anywhere. Um, but also this is the creature you created and now you've got to live with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say it's, it's terrifying to me that 
the DFL works so hard. Nobody outworks our candidates. We we get outspent by Republicans, um, but course. nobody nobody works harder. And and that's from local party units through the state party, through the coordinated campaign, through the individual campaigns. And we work so 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 hard. And the Republican Party in Minnesota um, has had a lot of issues. They've been rocked with scandal. Um, I mean, their their last convention, a scheduling oversight, they had to be out of the building at 6 o'clock, and they didn't have an endorsement yet. And they're kind of a hot mess. And they still managed to pull the votes that they do mm-hmm. is pretty terrifying to me. I mean, that tells me that we can't let up. We have to push forward, and we, we cannot take anything for yeah, granted. Good point. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then going on the other side, now – President Biden is not in the race right now. He's not. He hasn't announced. Um, He has a 40% approval rating. um, And I think it's mostly because of his age. I don't think it's because because he did some quite quite great stuff. Um, uh, I think people have uh, issues. Maybe he's getting too old and he may not be able to handle another four years. Um, and he keeps procrastinating, saying, oh, I'll, I'll run. I'm intending to run, but I, I didn't, I'm not announcing yet. Do you think he's going to pull something and not run, <laughs> do you think? I, I don't know. I'm getting that because why you just don't say you're running? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but maybe he's going to pull a, hat, a rabbit out of a hat or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think that he's running until he says he isn't. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, know, I, I, you know, it's chomping at the bit. <laughs> Gavin Newsom is chomping at the bit. Yes, that man wants to be president so bad. He's a young version of Kennedy for me. You know, he's like, well, Kennedy was young too, but um, <laughs> he's just a bulldog. He's like, he's like Trump on steroids, but on, from the left. You know, I love that about him. Um, but will you? I don't think he's going to run though. If 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 Biden runs, I think he's. I think he said that he's going to stay out of it. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Biden is just keeps hesitating. I don't know if he's going to do it. I don't know. And and I, you know, I I certainly I'm I'm just a volunteer in Minnesota. Um, but I I think there, if it were me and I were in that position, um, there might be some strength in not not announcing anything yet um, yeah, and staying true. focused on, hey, I'm focused on the job, not the election. Because mm-hmm. um, there, there is a really, it's, it's really, right, it's hard to run for election. It's hard in a different way when you're in office because there's really strict boundaries between what you can do as a campaign and what you can do in your role that you're elected to. Um, you know, I've, I have met Joe Biden. I've had the pleasure to meet him several times. It was many years ago. Um, I but, met him when he was vice president. Okay. When he came to uh, Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. And he, um, you know, he is an incredible man. I will, I will say that. I think that he's an incredible man. He's inherently a good man. I, I, I kind of equate him to Jimmy Carter in that respect because Jimmy Carter doesn't have an evil bone in his body. And I can't see, you know, and they keep trying to pin Joe Biden as this horrible human being. He's swindling money and he's doing, you know, the right wing talking points. And I, I, I just, I just don't buy that. So I, yeah, I mean, he is uh, certainly. I don't agree with everything a hundred percent, and there are things I wish he would push more for. But yeah, yeah, um, me too. Yeah. He, he is a good person, I think. Absolutely. Best intentions. Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, we've come to the end of the show, and um, for more information about Austin Balhagen, 
You can follow her at austin at boldnorthfilms.com. Is that right? That's my email. Yep. Okay. Or on Twitter at a Ballhagen. If you go to dflcd2.org, that's um, the CD2 website, and they will have um, more information if folks are looking to get involved with the 2nd Congressional District. Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we close out? I would just say if you've ever thought about running for something or wanting to be involved and been scared that you don't have the experience or the skill set, just do it. Just do it. Don't just hesitate. do it. Yes. <laughs> just do it, do it, do it. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much, thank Austin, you. for being on the Downright Upright Show. We love you. Please come back. we got to do something else together because I see the rapport here is really great. Um, and to our listeners, we'd like to thank them as well for spending time with us. And uh, we want you to stay tuned for more shows. Uh, and... Um, I am your host, Philip Anthony, and I hope to see you or hear from you or you will hearing from me very soon. So thank you.